Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Thanks for coming back. We got another episode here. Um, I'm about as excited as this one, or for this one, as any of the ones I've done. I've got a former, uh, a former teammate. I've got a former foe, um, a, a guy that I call a friend. I'm not sure he feels the same way, but um, he's played over 300 games, uh, 299. But with his national team experience, uh, it puts him over 300, and uh, he scored 77 goals. Uh, if you add his national team experience, he scored 77 goals uh, overall. Uh, he's a guy from the great state of Ohio. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chris Rolf. Hey Bobby, how you doing, man? What an intro! Oh Thanks yeah, for- no, I'm I'm as I'm I'm just happy to see you. I, I you know you we give you a hard time about your hair being all clean cut. You just uh, it's great to see you as always. It's always great to talk to you. How, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm back in college basically, so life got better after I retired. Well, there you go. We'll get to that towards the end. You know, I have a, I have a, a, a linear process here, um, you know, and I, I did bring up Ohio just because uh, you're one of those guys that always gives me a hard time about being a Florida guy. Uh, I think last week we were talking and I said, uh, Ohio is basically Florida without the beaches. Um, and you, you came back with a, a much wittier response about trailer parks and uh, you know, just, just a, a great thing in general, but uh, that's where we start this Chris Roth journey. Um, you know, tell me about growing up in Ohio and playing soccer there and, and, you know, becoming the, uh, the guy that you are. Yeah, man, growing up playing soccer in Ohio. I mean, that was before academies and all that stuff. Right. So playing for my little hometown soccer club, Centerville galaxies is where it all began. Um, Centerville is known for AJ Hawk and Mike Nugent, two good football players in the NFL. I think they're still in the NFL. Are they still playing Bobby? You know? Um, AJ Hawk is, I think, doing a podcast with Pat McAfee, uh, and I'm, I think Nugent is. I, if they're not on offense, I don't follow. It. I'm a fan. Of, <laughs> no, I do follow some of it, but I should know the answer to that. I don't. But yeah, man, grew up playing soccer um, in the Dayton area, playing on basically cow pastures and, and and farm fields that you know they have to push the animals off the field to let us play. Um, but good memories, man. It was, it was a good place to grow up. Um, had some really great friends that I made along the way, uh, playing club soccer and playing high school ball and, um, still value some of those friendships I have today. Yeah. And is, uh, is it safe to say you are a high school soccer legend or, uh, you know, I know, I know that they talk uh, on your Wikipedia page, they don't ever talk about people's high school beating the rival local high school. And it it's, it's on there for you. It was a big deal, man. It was a big deal. You know, we uh, we were at the time the best fall sports team at our high school. So um, the football team wasn't so good. That definitely played in our favor. Um, so we had a lot of the, the student body come out and watch us play. And, um, you know, I, I, I did all right. I was not on varsity all four years, though. No, you're JV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like three foot eight, 68 pounds. OK. And when did you grow yeah. Uh, you know, I, I grew 
basically the stuff of high school. I had a little growth spurt, and then I grew about three inches in college. Okay. And then, uh, well, while we're talking college, let's fast forward to college. You, you, uh, you went to Dayton. Uh, you are in the, the Dayton Flyer Hall of Fame as a soccer player. Is that true? That is true. Tell me a little bit about Dayton. I know you had uh, – this is kind of a theme over, uh, you know, forwards in general. I, I think I always have some injuries, but I know you, uh, you had some injury problems at Dayton. It didn't stop you from being successful, but, um, you know, all-time assist leader at Dayton, even though I think you, you miss a good portion of your junior and senior year. Um, and I think you were an All-American as, as well your, your senior year. Tell me a little bit about going to college there. Uh, yeah, honestly, going uh, into college, um, you know, my senior year of high school, I didn't really know if I was even going to play soccer in college. Um, I didn't really have aspirations of playing professionally. Um, you know, again, I played for a small club. I did ODP um, one year when I was 11. I hated it, so I never went back. So my visibility wasn't that great. Um, and like I said, I was very undersized. Um, so I didn't get a lot of looks um, in high school with, with opportunities of, you know, playing in college other than, you know, some local D2, D3 schools. Um, and then uh, I got a little letter from University of Dayton, which is right down the street from where I grew up. Um, always loved that university. Loved their basketball team, which goes a long way for a kid, right? Um, yeah, and they, they had me on a visit. And once they offered me, I mean, they offered me just a, a very small scholarship. But once I got the offer, it was like a no-brainer. You know, I was going to go and um, play in front of my friends and my family. Um, that was big for me. Um, yeah, I just ended up staying there all four years. Had a great experience. Um, you know, struggled with some injuries along the way. Um, had an undiagnosed or misdiagnosed sports hernia my junior year. So missed some of that, that season. Um, then had the surgery in August before my senior year. Uh, so I missed the first half of that season. Um, but, but still made it as an All-American. <laughs> somehow, man. I, I, that, that's still – I have no idea how that happened. Um, and, you know, and, I, when, I was, and, and when did you start doing PDL with the Chicago Fire PDL team? Yeah. Um, they invited me out my freshman year um, that summer, uh, and it wasn't for me at that time, but ended up going out there between sophomore and junior year and then junior and uh, senior year. Yeah, and y'all were pretty good, right? You went to the final, I think, one year, and you had an undefeated season another. And, uh, yeah, exactly. You, you were a big, big part of that. A lot of good players, a lot of MLS players uh, came out of that, out of the, that, those groups, um, if I'm correct. And uh, is that where you? I know, I know that I remember we talked. Um, you know, you always joke around about I wasn't sure if I was going to do this or I didn't, I didn't want to do it. But uh, that first practice that you got called in for, uh, yeah, I think you were still in college to go play with the, the first team at Chicago, that was kind of the real eye-opener for you? Yeah, it was. That was, uh, yeah, again, um, I grew a little bit between sophomore and junior year in college. And, uh, you know, when I got a chance to go in and play with the first team in Lake Forest, um, I, I fit in. Um, you know, I was good in possession. I remember that. I remember Jim Curtin come up to me and saying, you know, how well I did for the first day. Um, and that kind of lit the fire in me. It was like, Hey, I, I think I can do this and this is what I want to do. Okay. Well, so let's fast forward. I'm, I'm going to go through your timeline quick. Cause I got a lot of side stories. Um, you know, we go to 2005, uh, you know, I, I could make a case that that might be the best draft class. Um, and even the guys that weren't drafted like me, um, 
but but you get drafted to Chicago. No shocker there. They they knew you. They'd seen you. They knew they wanted you. Um, you know how 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 excited were you to be going to Chicago? You know when you found out you you've been drafted there. Yeah, you know honestly, we were somewhat hoping that Columbus would take me um, to stay closer to home again. Um, but yeah, it, it was ended up being a great move for me. Um, but Bobby, when when the draft happened, so this is back when you could watch like I don't know the first round maybe on the computer. Um, I went home, so I left. I left my house in college. Went home to see my parents, and they were watching in in the what we had a computer room, right? Because we didn't have a laptop, so they're in there with the wired internet, watching the draft. And I was sitting in the hallway, and they called my name, and my dad got so excited, and I got excited for like a split second, and then I got so anxious, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, no, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do more now. You know, I've got to perform. I've got to make this work." You know, people are counting on me right away, Bobby. My, my mind went to that. So it, it wasn't that exciting of a time for me. It was more nerve wracking. And I was like straight in the backyard with the ball. Like, let's go. <laughs> Got to get ready. All right. Well, uh, you say you had to perform and you did. Uh, I think you were the leading scorer the first year, right? Uh, your first year with the team, you were the team's leading scorer. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And, and let's talk a little bit about uh, some of those teams, by the way. Um, you know, we always said a lot of people thought New, New England was our, you know, we obviously I played in D.C. at the same time. Um, actually, funny story. I remember our first game against each other in D.C. I, you know, I'm just a talkative guy. And, I, you know, after the game, I'm like, this guy's the same age as me. I want to go over. And I was like, hey, I think I know you. And you were just like perfect Rolfy fashion, like. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't know you at all. And I was like, did you ever go to Florida for the, the Sun Bowl or something? And you're like. Yeah, no, no, not at all, man. He, he gave me nothing. And I was like, all right, man, well, I think you're a heck of a player. And you're like, all right, man, that's cool. I'll see, I'll see you later. <laughs> and it was like, uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer. I joke around about the class of 2005, but I'm a big, uh, a big, you know, we came in the league at an interesting time. And uh, I, I always had a respect for the guys that um, started when, when we started. And, I, you know, you always want them to do well, uh, just not when we're playing each other, but. Um, th- those were those were some amazing teams, the the Chicago teams. Y'all y'all knocked us out of the playoffs twice when I was in D.C. Um, you know, New England was kind of our a bit of a nemesis. I know they were for y'all, but y'all were really the the team that gave us the most trouble. And talk a little bit about how good um, those Chicago Fire teams were. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate to come into the Fire when they were still um, uh, a club that was somewhat admired and feared in the league. Um, it was still coming off of the, uh, uh, you know, Bob Bradley era, um, with Peter Novak and Storchkoff. And then you had, you know, with us, Armas and, and CJ and Jim, um, it was just a great place to land and it was so professional. Um, we did things the right way on the field. Um, we can talk about the way things were done off the field, uh, later if you want, but. Yeah, man, just the group that we had there the first couple of years was was great. We were tight knit. Um, you know, you guys were so good in D.C. I always admired the way that you guys played. We were a little bit uglier and scrappier. You guys played a little bit better soccer than I thought. Um, and you guys would end up, you know, inevitably winning the conference or winning the supporter shield. And we would kind of squeak into the playoffs in, in one way or another. And we'd match up with you guys and we'd always knock you out. And then, as you alluded to, we'd go and play New England, and they would always knock us out. And then they'd go to the final and lose. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was tough, man. It was a tough, it was a tough division. And back then, I think there were like eight teams in each division. So I mean, you had the teams were deep, and uh, you know that team. I'm just, I was looking at it, uh, some of the guys, I mean, how many of those guys went on to become GMs or, or head coaches or assistant coaches and not just the older guys, uh, you know, you've got some younger guys that you played with that are still kind of coming up the ranks and um, just a really, really seasoned experienced group. And, and um, you know, I know I always ask guys when they're around that many guys, did you have any idea at the time? Did, did, are you shocked to see some of these guys as head coaches and GMs or, or could you kind of see that was, uh, you know, can you understand the roles they're in now? Now, looking back on it, it, it makes perfect sense um, for, for all the guys that are in those positions right now. Um, you know, we just had guys that had such great soccer minds at the time. And then we had guys that were huge sports fans, like a Jim Curtin. And knew everything that was going on in sports, you know, uh, read books about, you know, they were written by different coaches and different sports, read all books, autobiographies about different players and different sports. This guy just, he was a sports fanatic and, and he just loved the game and he loved the strategy of it. Um, so I definitely saw that one coming. Chris Armour, same thing, man. The guy's just special. Uh, Jesse, same, same concept. You know, every time we break off in training session, he'd be the one kind of leading us and getting us in our positions, telling us how we're going to play, whether it's 5v5 or a possession game or 11v11. Um, so a lot of these guys, man, you could, you could tell um, they had a, a real passion for that in, in, in coaching the game. Yep, man. And, you know, we talk about, you know, struggling against New England, but you guys, y'all did win, I think, the, the 06 Open Cup. So you got some, some hardware while you were there. Yep, yep, that was it. Uh, um, it was such a funny tournament, you know, play in a lot of the games leading up to the, the final. Um, if, if you're starting, like for me, for example, that was my, my second year and I was dealing obviously again with another injury um, at some point during that season. So I didn't play in any of the games leading up to the final and I got to start the final. Um, and that was a great experience, man. It was at Toyota Park, um, the soccer specific stadium in, in Chicago now. And um, that was the year that we opened it. So it was a real special moment for all of us, but um you know, it was just, again, it was just funny that you're not playing in any of the games leading up to the final and starting, you know, it felt like the, you know, Caitlin Carr, for example, had done such a great job getting us there. And then he didn't really get to play much um, in that final. So, yeah, well, we'll see, that's a forwards mentality. I was the defender and they always played us in those games. And so it sucked just because, uh, you know, you're, you're playing against young, hungry guys that are given like their F all their effort. And, um, you know, you've got a bit of a disjointed group that's never played. So I hated open cup games just for that reason. Um, and that's, you know, our team never really, uh, I never did well in that tournament, but um, it is what it is. You, you hinted at, um, you know, something I want to talk about at Bridgeview, you know, we, we were the uh, kind of the last people to come into the league that played at Soldier Field. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about playing at Soldier Field. Talk to me about going to Bridgeview. You know, when did it, when was it cool? When did it lose its allure? Um, you know, now we've completely come full circle with the, you know, even though the pandemic happened uh, with Soldier Field again. Yeah, I think, you know, when we came into the league, we played in a lot of uh, football stadiums, right? Um, and, and I thought it was, it was really um, uh, just a great experience to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go play at Mile High on Saturday, or I'm going to go play in um, – you know, Arrowhead. Arrow, yeah, exactly. Arrowhead was one. 
um, the Meadowlands. The Meadowlands. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was, that was cool, you know, being a sports fan growing up to be able to, you know, tell my friends that I was playing a professional soccer game in those stadiums, but um, it, it was tough, right? I mean, not many of those stadiums got, you know, a fifth capacity, you know, I or think. Or, or a tenth. <laughs> a tenth, you know, out in Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that, those, those games are horrible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, being at Soldier Field was, was great. You know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I think we, we were one of the teams that averaged roughly, you know, between twenty five and 30,000 fans um, in 2005 there. Uh, you know, and, and when we'd have an international game after us, of course, it would be, you know, 50, 55,000. Um, and th- those games were fun. Um, it still felt a little empty, but what did I have to compare it to at the time? You know, I'm coming from the University of Dayton where we had, you know, 500 people. Um, so, which is good, which is good in college. Well, yeah, which was great. Yeah. Um, then to, to, to just go and play in a stadium, a big football stadium, a pro football stadium with 30,000 people, for me, that was still amazing. Um, you know, now having the experience to play in some soccer specific stadiums that have electric atmospheres and they're sold out and they're loud and they're, they're scary. Like it's just looking back on soldier field now with that experience, it's like, ah, yeah, it wasn't that great. But at the time I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. All right. Well, you also talked, uh, you know, kind of, we talk about the old guard and we talked about some coaches. Um, you had some coaching changes while you were in uh, Chicago um, I don't, I don't really ever want to talk badly about any of the coaches, but I'd love to talk a little bit uh, about one you really liked and Juan Carlos Osorio, who, uh, you know, depending on when this comes out, um, he's, he just became vacant, you know, in terms of he's hireable. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone in MLS tries to scoop him up. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, I don't know, you don't have to tell me he's your favorite coach ever, but I do know you liked him. Um, you know, what, what made him so special and, and why did you enjoy playing for him? Yeah, so Dave Sarakin was my first coach <clears throat> with Chicago, and and I, I really enjoyed Dave. Um, you know, he, he gave me my first um, opportunities. Um, he really believed in me, and I, I think he kind of uh, related to me in terms of you know being a bit of a smaller player, um, which which again helped me um, in my first year, especially in the league. Uh, but when Dave left, um, you know, we were struggling a little bit as a team. We couldn't find much motivation that year in 2007 and Juan Carlos came in and he came in with just an energy and a passion that I think we needed. Um, and, and it lifted us up and, and me personally, um, you know, he, he gave me a lot of confidence. He believed in me. He set up the system to get me a little bit more involved. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it felt good. It felt right. I like the style of play that we had with him. Um, the practices were amazing. Um, I don't think we repeated a, a session the entire time that he was with us. Okay. Um, it was just, it always kept you on your toes. It always had you thinking. Um, and again, he just, he came out with so much, so much energy and excitement um, without being over the top or being cheesy. Um, you could just tell that he was really happy to be there and he wanted to get better. And, and that's what I wanted. You know, I always wanted to get better. So to have a coach that was matching that visibly, that was, that was so great for me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's built quite the resume now, and um, like I said, I, I think he's going to be a high-profile signing for an MLS team, maybe the Galaxy or whoever if they can get him. But um, you know, I always want to shed light on guys that that players enjoy playing for, and why do they enjoy playing for him? So that's that's fascinating to me. Um, I know we we kind of jumped ahead in terms of your your time in Chicago, but uh, your rookie year. Tell me about 
finding out you're going to join the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, so um, that, again, was a bit of a shock, just like everything else that happened, you know, the 12 months leading up to that. Um, but I believe we were headed out to play New England in the playoffs after beating you guys. Um, does that sound right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Y'all beat us. I think, uh-huh. I think you score, actually, I think, I want to say you scored in both games, or that was 2007. Yeah. yeah okay. But yeah, y'all yeah. beat us. Uh, y'all yeah. beat us in, uh, I think, a home and away. Yep. Back, back, right. when that was, back when that was fun. Yep. Yep. And then we headed out to New England, and I think that was just a one-game series at the time. And <clears throat> I think when we were out in Foxborough or in Braintree, I should say. Um, <laughs> in the castle. They had yes, a castle, in the castle hotel, exactly. guys. Yes, it, was built, castle. it was built like a medieval castle, and that's where we stayed when we went to play New England. And it had a TGI Fridays attached to it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think we were out there and I was told before the game that if we didn't move on, I would be going in, um, uh, to, to Scotland, uh, to play in my first national team game. So, um, you know, that, that, I didn't even know what to do with that. I put it kind of on the back burner, played the game. And then afterwards kind of let my agent take care of, you know, the logistics and everything with that. But, uh, man, that was incredible what an experience that was um flying over there and, and meeting all the guys who were playing in europe at the time with the national team i mean guys that i looked up to um the brian mcbrides of the world um i mean it was just it was amazing and then to get the chance to come in that game you know i actually played um me and Heath pierce got our our first caps that game and uh yeah, i think i probably got what 25 30 minutes in that and it was, it was so exciting, man. I was on adrenaline the whole time. I was probably just sprinting up and back, up and back. Um, but wow, what an experience that was. Yeah. Well, and then we, uh, we actually were teammates. Uh, I, I said we were teammates twice, um, you know, earlier on and, and we were teammates on the national team. And I, I, you know, it's funny because I know you were in, I think four January camps in a row or something, something crazy like that. And I know I was in two or three in a row. Um, and those were, those were a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. Um, I remember you, me and Kyle Beckerman, they had us do some like promotional videos on, you know, how to score goals. And, uh, and I had no business being out there, but, but I remember doing all these videos and I never saw any of the videos or anything that ever came from doing that. But, uh, but I remember like, we were kind of these young guys and uh, it almost felt surreal, right? Just like, uh, you know, I always said I, I never felt like I necessarily belonged, um, but it was just a lot of fun being there with, you know, with, with you and some of the other young guys. Um, you know, it's amazing Kyle Beckerman's still doing it. But um, yeah. what do you I know you talked about you remember your first cap. What do you remember from, you know, being in all those camps? And, you know, I know uh, we'll get to kind of the success you had with the national team and how you helped in 2010. But, you know, what do you remember from those early days? Uh, a little bit of what you said, you know, like just not really believing that it was actually happening. Um, cause they did, I mean, every, anything they asked us to do, we just did it right. Like, um, we were just happy to be there, uh, especially that first year. Um, but that, that year, Bobby, 2005, we're going into the, or 2006, January, we're going into the world cup. Right. So there, I think there's a little bit more pressure that year. Um, 
than the subsequent years that we went in. But um, man, it, it, it was just like any, any other experience I told you about with like glass. Okay, they call you up, you get excited for a second, and then you're like, okay, how do I prepare? How do I get ready? I can't mess this up. I got to be at my best. Um, so when I was there, man, it was it was all business. Um, you know, I think some guys enjoyed, you know, staring at the Marriott and, and golfing a little bit um, on off days and. And Frankie would, you know, he'd like surf before training, surf after training, you know, like, I don't know how that guy did that, but he's got a ton of energy. Um, Expressos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, th those camps were just uh, so competitive. And, and again, it was another step up from, you know, playing with the fire, uh, different intensity level, um, different demands from uh, Bruce initially, and then from Bob after that. Um, and those were always great lessons, man. You'd always come back from those camps, rejoin your team and, and feel, feel like you could lead and, and you were ready to lead. Um, and, and that was just a really good feeling, you know, coming back from those camps, having a little bit more confidence, um, pushing yourself to another level that maybe you didn't know you had, and then feeling so good about that, that you're able to bring some of your teammates up with you when you get back to your club. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you just felt like you were on a whole nother level going, you know, going back into into preseason from there. Um, this is actually uh, the jersey uh, that I wore in that from that camp. That was my first cap against Guatemala. A little different than Scotland uh, playing in Frisco, Texas. But um, you know, I I always have things that we'll we'll allude to this one later. But uh, you know, teammates here, um, you know, and then that 2010. I brought that up because you were part of some qualifiers. Uh, you were named to the 30 man roster for the 2010 world cup. Um, you know, once again, I, I think an injury got you there, but, it was, uh, it was 2006 world cup, sorry, 2006, 2010 um, was an injury, 2010, you had an injury and, um, you know, but by this time, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, this Jersey, the Danish, uh, national team, uh, going to the Danish super league, going to all Tell me about what was the decision to go, uh, overseas. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a decision that had been in the making for a little over a year. Um, so I signed a pre-contract with Allborg in September of 2009. And in the summer of 2008, Sparta Prague had tried to buy me. So we'd kind of gone through this, um, this not negotiation, but situation where I had to mentally envision myself in a different country right? Like making this big move. Um, and, and, it, and it intimidated me um, in 2008 for sure. Uh, but when it came around in 2009, I was ready. Um, and, I, and I think that um, opportunity in 2008 led me to feel comfortable enough to take that leap. Um, but Bobby, I don't think I've told anybody this aside from like, you know, my, my close friends, but I think I just felt so disrespected by the fire in 2009 during my renegotiation with them that I would have gone and played anywhere else. Okay. <laughs> and, it did, and it didn't matter how much they had paid me. Um, so, you know, when this opportunity came in Denmark, I, I flew over there and, and met with, uh, you know, some of their um, executives and, and met a couple players and I loved it. I thought it was going to be great. Um, and, and I was confident at that time and, and knew that I, you know, had something to provide and, and, and help them and potentially, use that as a springboard into, you know, another league over there. Um, 
And yeah, Bobby, I just think, again, man, I gave so much to Chicago for four and a half years um, and just did everything that they asked and more. Um, took, took a back seat at times, you know? I mean, I, I think, you know, we had, we had Blanco come. You know, I loved him as a teammate, a great player. Um, I did a lot of work for him <laughs> yeah, to, to keep our team successful and to fill holes. Um, I'm not the only one that did that, but um, yeah, I just, I just felt really um, underappreciated at Chicago in 2009 when, when uh, they started to renegotiate with me. Um, yeah. No, I, I know how you feel. I think everyone that had any negotiations with the league um, or, you know, and it's not just the, you know, the teams pit the league against you and then the league pits the team against you um, with the way they do things. So I, I've never met anyone that didn't feel disrespected. I actually do want to talk about you representing yourself uh, later, um, later in this, but um, you know, I want to stay on Allborg and, and, you know, tell me about your time there. I know we talked about it being a springboard, but um, had some injury issues but just, you know, tell me what your experience was, you know, and how you felt it, it helped you either as a person or, or as a player or both. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a big a question, Bobby. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got there, I was, I was so excited. Um, I, you know, I turned down the invitation for that January camp in 2010 leading up to the World Cup and talked to Bob about that. And, and we decided that it would be best for me to go and and find my form with my new team in Denmark. Um, and, and I did that and um, was a starter from the beginning. And I think what, six or seven games in, we were playing at Copenhagen and I, I felt a sharp pain um, in my upper hamstring um, when I was chasing back from a corner kick. And uh, yeah, something I should have never been doing, Bobby, I can't defend. <laughs> so yeah, I was just chasing I, this guy. And honestly, I was trying to, trying to, trying to foul him. Um, and I, I don't know how to foul and, and I'm just like yanking at him, pulling at him, kicking at him. And I can't bring the guy down. They almost go and score and I end up running, you know, hundred yards to, to make it back to our six. But uh, on that play, um, I injured my hamstring tendon and uh, that kept me out for, from game to game about 11 months. Um, that was really tough for me. So having said that during that period of 11 months of being out, um, I was just pushed to the side. Um, you know, when you're injured over the, there they don't give you much attention um they, they basically send you to like the weight room and the physio you do your stuff uh, and you go home you're not you don't really feel like a part of the team and that was really hard for me because i'm a big team guy um you know i've i just i form really strong bonds with my team um with my coaches um everybody and i think that i alluded to that saying that you know i was emotional over the fire um situation before i went to denmark but um yeah, Bobby, it was just a, a really dark time for me. Um, it was a really hard winter to get through. You know, the, the sun doesn't really come up much over there, so it was dark, you know, 20 hours out of the day. Um, just, just a real challenging time. And, and, of course, through that, I made some really great friends um, during that period. But, uh, yeah, once I came back from that injury, we had a new coach. We had a new formation, um, new expectations for me. Um, you know, fortunately I was able to win that coach over and got back on the field. And in my mind, Bobby, as, as soon as I got back on the field and I was playing, okay, I wanted to come back home. Like okay. it, was, it was just that hard, um, at that yeah. point, you know, and, and that, that last stretch of, uh, of games in the spring there, before I did come back to Chicago, I was, I was playing well, 
um, really fitting in. You know, my agent was talking to teams in the second Bundesliga. We were, he was renegotiating or in communications with Allborg um, at that time. And it just, it just wasn't for me, Bobby. I, I had to get home. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you were injured, but I think that last year you, you were best 11 five times, I think, in the, in the league throughout the, the short period that you did play. Um, so you're, you start playing well. Um, and then you come back. So t- talk to me about, I know you, you aren't happy with Chicago, but uh, rules being rules. Um, I think they had a first ride at you and um, they didn't want to make the mistake of, of not taking you. So talk to me about coming back to Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, it was similar to um, the draft. You know, I think we initially reached out to Columbus to see if they would be willing to, to deal with Chicago um, to, to take me there. Um, we didn't really like how that was going. So um, <clears throat> ended up going back to Chicago. And again, a lot had changed in Chicago over those two years, as you know, especially back then, man, the, the rosters changed so quickly. Coaches changed, GMs changed, everybody was changing. Um, so it was a different group to work with at the time. Um, and I still had a couple friends on the team. I knew that I knew the city. Um, I had friends outside of soccer in Chicago. So I think that was the first time in my life where I made a decision with my career that wasn't really, hundred percent soccer focused. Okay. And well, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I was just say you, you know, you come back, um, you end up winning team MVP. Uh, you win golden boot for the team. Um, I think you won four of those over the course of your career. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, I, you talk about defending. This is a present you gave me. I know those listening can't see it. It's a, it's a big picture of, of Chris Rolf trying to slide tackle and from behind and just break my leg. And I'm like a, I'm like a nimble cat, just uh, avoiding it uh, running through. But, you know, you, you came back and, and kind of made that team a little bit relevant again. Um, you know, y'all, y'all were, uh, y'all were pretty, pretty damn good. And, and I know we, we knocked you out of the playoffs with Will Bruin scoring some goals up there, but um, you know, you, you had a lot of success when you came back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was uh, mostly due to just being happy, Bobby. It, it, I was trying to have fun. Um, I took a lot of the pressure off of myself um, to perform. Um, I was a little bit looser um, off the field. You know, I would, I would, I wasn't so strict the night before games. Um, um, my diet was a little looser, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm making a face for those that can't see. I'm making a big face, his diet. But keep going. We'll get to diet uh, later. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just I, I I came back, found a good group of guys on the team um, to hang out with, and 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 really was enjoying life. Um, and I think that showed on the field too. Yeah, well, let's talk about people like me, uh, defenders. You know, you, you you were a guy that was um, really smart. You know, and and we'll, I want to talk a little bit about labels uh, in a little bit. But you know, you were very hard to to contain and. Uh, Dominic Kinnear was pretty explicit with me on, you know, figure out a way to solve that problem. And, and my way was always, uh, you know, I started, I, I'm not really proud of it, but I, I know in Houston, I was pretty bad about it. Um, when you were in Chicago about fouling you off the ball, uh, just trying to bully you really just, you know, anytime I could. Uh, and I felt so bad because I liked you so much. And, and I'll never forget, I think we played a game there and, and I tried to, I initiated it and you end up punching me in the face. You busted my lip. 
And I remember being like, God dang it. I, I respect this guy even more, man. He's, he's, he's giving it back to me now, but you know, a lot of guys, they try to foul you. They try to hurt you because, um, you know, I think in competing, it was so hard to stop you. I mean, how did you deal with people like me that were just, um, you know, trying to get you out of your, you know, get in your head and get you out of your element? Uh, that's a, that's a good question, Bob. Um, and, and before I answer it, I will say, I do remember the first game that I played at the new stadium in Houston. Um, there was a long ball hit over the top and I'm just, I'm running it down just to run it down. And you're kind of just trotting back behind the ball and you take like a long wide step towards me and just check me. <laughs> and I just went flying onto my chest and I get up and I'm like, okay, here we go again. Here's yep, Bobby hasn't <laughs> had you, changed. Had you already scored that game? No, this is the first half. It's early. Okay. Cause and I remember so I remember that game. I got reamed by Dom because it was a throw in and I like miscleared it towards the middle and you like <laughs> volleyed it from like just, just an amazing volley. And Dom was so mad. We watched that video over and over and over. And I was just like, I'm going to kill this guy when we play. <laughs> so it was yeah, Dom. I mean, yeah, don't blame me. Blame Dom. It was Dom's well, fault. Well, let me finish the story. So I get up and I'm running back now. Whoever your goalie was had the ball. Um, and I'm running back and I'm running beside you. And I kind of like shoulder you as I'm running back, which is at like your hip. Let's keep that in mind. And uh, I kind of look at you. I don't say anything. And you look down at me and you go, man, I'm sorry. Dom made me do it. <laughs> Blame Dom, man. He would, he'd get us so fired up. And, uh, you know, he knew, he knew who the impact players were. We did too. Um, but he wanted us to toe this line of, uh, you know, and, and he didn't tell me to go out and do that stuff, to, you know, in, in his defense, but I knew what he wanted. And I knew that I knew that I could toe that line. I mean, can you imagine me trying to play with VAR right now? Like I, I would be I would be, you know, especially later in my career, I'd be so ineffective just because it was a it was more of a scrap back then. You know, you could get away with that stuff, whereas um, now you just you can't get away with anything. So, um, you know, I, I'm glad I, I want to speed this up and say. I was as happy as anybody uh, in the history of trades uh, when you got traded to this team, DC United, uh, when we eventually became teammates. So uh, tell me what's going through your head when, when you find out you're coming to DC. Yeah, Bobby, I was so excited. I was so excited. I was, I was uh, burnt out um, in Chicago. Uh, you know, Frank Yallop had come in. We had another change in coaching staff and, um, I was coming off a 2013 year that I just I didn't enjoy. I wasn't happy. Um, heavily contemplated retirement that year. Um, was actually shopping for for small farms in Ohio um, during that season um, with the anticipation of retiring at the end of 2013. In Chicago, then uh, they, they didn't exercise my options, so I was in the reentry draft. Um, and, and and during that time, I had the chance to talk to a number of different teams and coaches and general managers, and and DC was one of them. And I was leaning towards DC and I wanted that to happen. And at the last second, uh, Chicago came in and offered a new contract for me that I was like, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll stay and just see how this, how this goes. Well, four or five months later, you know, we're four games into the season and um, you know, I get a phone call saying that I've been traded to DC, um, which, which was crazy. It was crazy to me. Um, uh, first and foremost, because I had talked to the staff 
um, at Chicago when we signed my new deal. And I said, look, if, if you guys aren't happy with me, if I'm not happy with you, I'll come and say something, please do the same. You know, we can work it out and like, not, not like work it out so that I stay, but like, yeah. let's just men about it. We'll talk about it and we'll find a solution. Well, that doesn't happen. Does anybody <laughs> listening right now? Tell them that, that, that stuff doesn't, doesn't, doesn't actually happen. So, well, um, we, we were, uh, I think I remember when we found out like Ben was like, Hey, you won't believe who we've just got. And, and we couldn't believe it. And I remember, I think it might have been Davey or maybe, it was maybe even Eddie or someone was like, how stupid is Chicago? Like they're so dumb. And, uh, and I mean, talk about, we had a, you know, I don't want to go too deep in our DC group, but we had all these veteran guys. Um, and sometimes with, with good teams, you need someone that just, that just kind of gives you that different element, someone that can take the game and, and put it on its head and, and kind of uh, be a game changer. And, and that was what you were, I think. And, and I don't think you disagree with me on that. I think that you fit what we were trying to do perfect. And we were real clean cut, uh, Benny ball, like let's, let's, you know, let's find a way to win. And, and more often than not, it, you know, it was you or Luis Silva or, um, you know, you guys and Patrick Pinarco later came in, but you were the guy that, that found those important goals. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope you enjoyed your time in DC. Cause I know, uh, I know we were so happy to get you when, when you came in. I, I think had you been there earlier, we would have won the Supporter Shield that first year. Yeah, uh, thanks, Bob. I, I really appreciate um, what you said there. And, and I, I did. I, I loved it, man. Those were, I, I guess I only played really two years there um, and, and suffered two terrible injuries, believe it or not. And it's still two of my favorite seasons in MLS, you know. Um, I just, I, I loved our group. I loved our mentality. I enjoyed playing for Ben. I always loved playing at RFK. That was my favorite place to, to play in, in the league. Um, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was happy to be there. Well, you, you hint at your, uh, at your injuries. I, I will tell people, Chris Rolfe has scored two of uh, arguably the greatest goals uh, no one has ever seen. One was his rookie year against AC Milan when the cameras were replaying AC Milan's goals and no one seemed to catch his bomb. Uh, against them and the second goal was in a training session Chris Roth throws a bicycle kick that is a bicycle kick of the ages uh and tell us what tell us what happens at the end of that one yeah no Ben Ben might not have forgiven you for this by the way yeah no I was I was having a great session man I was I was having so much fun I remember like laughing with Fabi like during possession, we're like wrestling. Like it was just a fun session, man. The season was going so well. I believe we were in first place at the time, right? Yeah, we were, we were doing well. Um, and yeah, it, it, we were playing what, like 77, 88. Fabi clipped the ball in from the side and it was perfect. I love, you know, getting acrobatic and doing side bikes and, and full bikes. And I went up for it and connected well. I crushed it. I scored. It was a great goal. <laughs> <laughs> amazing goal the best goal but, i've ever seen but man when i landed i mean i couldn't tell you i've done this hundreds of times and, and when i landed i just instead of my elbow bending naturally the way it normally would my hand just slid slightly on the turf and and everything locked and my whole body weight went down into my elbow and it was very similar to a car crash when someone you know braces and puts their hand towards the dashboard yeah yeah no it was it was horrific i remember a bunch of guys got sick to their stomach and I think you were the, you were the calmest one there. Kind of like, Oh, this isn't good. Um, yeah. You know? And, and I think Chad was, Chad Ashton was like, God damn it, Chris. Like, like, like he knew what the, 
we didn't realize what the implications of that were, but, um, you know, it was kind of a, a real dent in the season, you know, for what we were trying to do and uh, a real mood changer. I know you didn't mean to do it, but um, it was a heck of a goal for those that, that were wondering, though. It was probably the best goal I've seen Chris score with my own two eyes. Yeah. <laughs> really up, I was really upset in my arms before. <laughs> Shocker. Um, and uh, in college, I broke in my, uh, my right arm kind of closer to the elbow, and they had to put me in a cast up to my shoulder. So okay. when, when this arm broke um, in that training session and Ben came over right away, the reason that I was upset was, you know, he got there and I was like, look, Ben, I'm, I'm done. Like, I think I said it like right away. I'm like, I'm done. They're going to put me in a cast up to my, my shoulder. I'm like, I'm not playing the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, it, it, my mind went straight to that. And uh, um, we can talk about me playing at the end um, of that season well. if you want to. Well, I want to, I actually want to go back to, uh, you know, 2015, you were the team MVP. I believe you, uh, that was another leading and goal scored, I think for us. Um, I want to talk about something that you don't hear a lot about, especially in MLS, uh, is guys doing their own deal. Um, can you, you know, in the age of agents and, you know, you hear all these things, can you talk us through uh, doing, you know, negotiating your own deal and, and why you chose to do that? Yeah, I think um, it was something that always intrigued me, that whole process. Um, you know, I think early in, in my career, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I, and I felt like I needed an agent to, to move me through my contracts and to get the most value for me. Um, but when that time came to renegotiate, um, that's what, what was that, 20, 2015, right? It I was. think it was when you, you had a heck of a year. So I'm guessing it was 15. Yeah. So I think we started talking like the summer of 2015 and uh, I just thought I probably don't have many more chances to negotiate a contract for myself. And, um, um, you know, I, I reached out to, to Dave Casper at DC United and he was willing to work with me on it. And I just wanted that experience. So I moved forward with that. And ultimately um, we decided that it was better if, I didn't do it face to face with Dave. Um, so we had more or less a mediator um, kind of work through that process, but it, it was fun, Bobby. It was a lot of fun. And, and I enjoyed the financial side of things and, and the business side of things. And I got creative with, you know, bonuses and the structure of it, all things that in the back of your mind, you know, aren't going to get accepted because there's a standard contract for everybody, right. Except for, you know, the, the big name guys. And, um, I still had fun with it, you know, and Dave shot down everything that I threw at him that was creative, but I still enjoyed it. And, and I ended up, you know, signing the most lucrative deal of my career. Yeah, no, it was uh, pretty impressive. I know I was happy for you. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that was pretty cool. And let's, let's speed it up. You, we get to 2016, unfortunately, uh, the reality of, of, we, we joke around a lot, uh, guys that are retired or played in the league a long time about um, getting hit in the head so many times. But uh, you end up having uh, some serious concussion injuries uh, ends up getting you. Um, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what you went through. You know, luckily, I think for, for us as a team, uh, you were around for a very long time. Um, even though you weren't playing, you were still around the group playing ping pong. Uh, you know, helping out, you know, giving young guys advice. But, um, you know, talk to me about being a guy that, that unfortunately suffered from, from concussions, ended up 
calling your career short a little early. Yeah, man, it was, it was obviously very tough. I mean, I think um, most people that, that know me or, or fans of Chicago or DC kind of uh, followed that story a little bit. And um, uh, it was, it was a dark, dark, challenging time for me. Um, and uh, and Bob, I mean, it still, it still brings up emotions because I'm still dealing with it now. I'm still dealing with the effects of it. So um yeah, it, it was just so challenging, man, to to uh, to have my career end that quickly, that abruptly, um, in that manner too. Um, it, it was so hard. And then, I, and you said that I was around the team a lot, but if you remember, I I really wasn't able to come into the stadium until about two months after uh, the injury because I couldn't even drive, man. I, I, yeah. I couldn't walk, you know, I couldn't go outside and go for a walk and not get symptomatic. It was, it, it was life changing. Um, and, and to, to turn it now, um, what it did was it gave me perspective on life. Um, you know, the, the simple task, even, even this morning, going out and walking my dog in the morning, that's something I couldn't do for about two months after the injury. And then even after that, it was challenging with, you know, if it was sunny out, it, I'd be symptomatic. If I went to the woods to try and do a hike, light coming through the trees made me symptomatic. Um, so just, again, the best thing about it for me was that it gave me perspective. And I'm grateful for very, very simple things in life now. And I think that's, that's a, kind of a key to happiness, to be honest. You know, and then the, I do want to talk about kind of you retire in 2017. Um, I think that you're starting to see these younger players. I don't know how much soccer you're watching these days, um, but you, you've got the Gio Reynas and the Christian Pool Six of the world. Um, Americans, we love athletic guys, right? We love to label people. And you are always kind of this, this enigma uh, uh, for these people that wanted to put a label on you because – you know, they wanted a big, fast, uh, athletic forward, or they wanted a guy that could uh, just hold the ball up and smash people or, or a burner. You know, it was, it was always these combination of things. And, um, you know, it was really hard to put you a quantity or quantify you. Um, you know, how, how do you, you know, how would you describe yourself, you know, as a player? I think, I think I, I was a good compliment to other players. Um, I, I, I never wanted to be the, the, the star. Um, I never wanted to have a spotlight on me. Um, that makes me uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, especially when we came in the league, Bobby, we were playing, you know, like four, four twos. I didn't really fit into those formations too well. I think if I was playing today with a little bit more freedom, uh, maybe in a four, three, three, or, um, you know, any, any other formation where I'm, I'd have a little bit more freedom. I think I would have fit in extremely well um, in today's game. But, but back then, man, it was just like I was trying to survive. So if Nate Jacob was my, you know, other forward, I was going to do whatever it took to help Nate score goals and find ways for me to score goals. And at times that meant, you know, I had to try and be the target guy and hold guys up. Um, I was decent in the air at flicking balls. I had good timing for that. I could, I could, I could jump a little bit in my twenties. Um, no, don't say that. Yeah. I, I, I say people, people would say, Oh, he's not athletic or he's not as he's, you know, they, they think I had the, you know, the way the words people would invent to describe you would go well in your crossword puzzles that you do. Uh, but, but it, they don't really, 
uh, do it justice. I, I remember we, uh, we were at the results gym in DC and I remember we had a basketball court and Eddie Johnson was making us, he was filming himself on Instagram, slam dunking the basketball. And I remember he slammed one and he's like trying to talk. And in the background of the video, you just come running in and you just like, you dunk a, you dunk the ball in the background. And I remember everyone was just like, did Rolfi just dunk a basketball? And then Eddie was like, man, he just ruined my video. <laughs> and he was so mad. And I just remember being like, like people just don't expect this, this guy, uh, this, you know, not, not physically imposing guy to be so athletic, but you talk about being able to jump. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget Eddie's, Eddie's reaction when you dunk that ball in the background of his, his video, man, it was like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, well, I think there's just a handful of us like standing in the corner of the basketball court, um, just waiting for like Eddie to finish his video shoot. And and Davey Arno is like, I think sarcastically goes, Rolfie, show him how to do it. So I just like started wandering down there and just grabbed the ball and took off from, you know, a jog from a half court. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to dunk it or not. It would have been great if the video was still on and I just slammed <laughs> it off the rim and, you know, but. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, one last DC story and then, uh, we'll, we'll speed it up to what you're doing now, but, um, I'll never forget one of my favorite things. I talked to Jared Jeffrey a lot. Um, and he couldn't believe, uh, you know, Chad Ashton and I had a great relationship. I feel like, um, you know, we, we, we did argue, but, um, I think we always respect each other and I'll never forget, uh, we were playing Houston and before the game, I had said, Hey, just, just, you know, the goalie cheats, he comes off, uh, he, he always tries to get, you know, get a jump on the ball. So I'd shoot it goalie side if you can. And, and I remember you, it was like the perfect thing. Like it probably hit both, both posts, like the top crossbar and the post. It was like the greatest shot ever. And, uh, I remember like after the game, Chad was like, uh, you know, great goal. And he was like, good call, Bobby. And I remember Jared was like, what did Bobby have to do with this goal at all? And, and you were just completely like, what? You know, he told me like it, as if it was like an easy feat that you put it in the corner of that. Like for me, that was uh, I'll never forget that just because one, it was against my old team uh, Two, You always had a way of, of scoring against, uh, you know, my old team and, and helping helping kind of I think you cemented your place in my heart just by, uh, you know, putting people on the ground and putting the ball in the back of the net when it mattered. But, um, you know, I don't know if you remember uh, any of those, those games, but I sure as heck do. And I, I mean, I loved it, man. That was some of my best memories were, were uh, you scoring goals, running around like an idiot, like an airplane. Uh, you know, I love that stuff, man. That was fun, man. Those are, I, I tell people that's, you know, the, the feeling that I would get scoring a goal. I don't know if I'll ever have that feeling again. You know, it was just, it was, it was euphoric, you know, you turn into a kid again and then you've got all these other grown men that also revert to children and they're just chasing you and you're screaming and you're tackling each other. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's something I'll, I'll always remember. And, and okay. Well, well, I want to talk about where you're at now. I know you were in Colorado for a little bit. Um, I think doing a little bit of farming and I think you were working a little bit with the women's uh, team at the university of Denver now you're up, uh, I think you're at Notre Dame. Tell me what you got going on now. Yeah, no, I've just uh, got a great opportunity at, at Notre Dame. Um, it popped up last summer. Um, and, yeah, just decided my time in Colorado was kind of coming to an end. And, and um, that experience had kind of run its course. 
and was ready for something new. And I also was ready to see if I wanted to get back into soccer in any capacity. You know, I was, I was resentful at the end of my career. You know, I was angry and frustrated, um, worked through a lot of emotions that I'd been, you know, pushing down to continue to be successful while I played. Um, and, and I kind of let those come to the surface in Colorado and I worked through that and, um, it was, it was a great period of growth for me, but, um, you know, when, when this opportunity came at Notre Dame to work with the men's soccer team, um, I, I, I bid on it and, and, and came and interviewed and I enjoyed my, my interactions with everyone, everyone here at the university and the staff is, you know, just full of great guys. And for me, then it was a no brainer. Why not come back closer to the Midwest, you know, where my family is, my parents are getting older. I had a nephew that, you know, was a couple hours drive away. Um, it just made a lot of sense for me to come back. And do, the, do those guys that, that you, you help every day, do they know what kind of player you were? Um, you know, I know, I know how many guys that we went to college with didn't even watch soccer, especially the, the old guys, um, you know, like, like you and I are, but do they, do they know what kind of player you were and, do you ever get a chance to uh, to lace them up and just 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 leather one? Just put put your your foot through the ball and show them how you can you can hit a ball. Yeah, no. So that my, the role that I have here, according to the NCAA, it prohibits me from doing anything like soccer specific with the guys. So I don't coach at all. Okay. Um, I don't I don't do anything with the ball with them. Um, and I think a couple of the guys have an idea. Um, of, of especially my time in Chicago because they're, they're from Chicago. Okay. I think their, their families and their parents were, were fans back when I was with the fire, but um, amazing yesterday. So the kids, if they want football tickets, they have to buy them through me. Um, so we play Clemson this weekend. I don't know when this is going to air, but um, we have a football game this weekend and a big one. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And one of the freshmen, you know, he had to Venmo me, Venmo me the money so I could buy the ticket. So he Venmos me. He sees me the next day and he goes, hey, I saw your Venmo profile picture. Do you play for DC United? Was that a DC United jersey? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, you play pro? I was like, yeah, yeah I played for a little bit. So, Bobby, I don't think so, man. And, and I wouldn't have either. And I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't known back when I was in college what guys played in MLS and what guys didn't. So you can't fault them, but. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I just think it's hysterical. They don't know um, what you're what you're capable of. And um, uh, talk to me a little bit. I see the plants in the background. Uh, talk to me a little bit about sustainability. I mean, are you uh, for those that don't know, Chris has always been uh, he's big in sustainability. Um, I, I kid you not. This last week I ate a cheeseburger uh, and I just ate the burger. I took the bun away and I got rid of it. And that was in honor of you. Uh, I am living a healthier lifestyle. Uh, because of your impact. So, I mean, talk to me about what you have going on from a sustainability standpoint. Well, Bobby, that's food waste. That's uh, <laughs> something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> My bad. But, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a lifestyle at this point, right? So, um, and, and I try to push that a little bit onto our guys. Um, you know, I've gotten our entire staff bamboo silverware that they travel with. So we're getting rid of the plastic forks and knives. Um, but it's tough right now, you know, with the, the pandemic, uh, you know, everything's to go, everything's in plastic containers, individual boxes. There's a lot of waste right now. And, and I think that's fine. And, and I think there's a place for plastic and that sort of stuff in our uh, society, but um, it should be less um, convenience and more, 
you know, use it when it's necessary. But um, yeah, Bob, I got the house plants are still here. Some of these are from DC. They've, they've made the trek to Ohio and then to, to Colorado and, and Indiana. And I've got, uh, I harvested a tomato, probably the last tomato in South Bend that's been harvested this year because we've had some cold <laughs> days. But um, I've got uh, berry bushes. I tore out the whole side of my backyard and put in eight different berry bushes out there um, this spring. So yeah, man, just, uh, yeah, just trying to do what I can. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, I, I think everybody's unique and everyone has their, their own story to tell. I think uh, there's no one in the world like Chris Rolfe. And uh, I'm just grateful that I was uh, at least on some part of your journey. Uh, you've impacted me. I know you, I told you you impacted my wife. You've impacted uh, all the guys that you played with. Um, you know, hopefully – I'm really happy that you're, you're back in the game and you're around the game and you were able to work through some of that stuff. And um, I think that everyone will be better uh, with you around the game. So, um, you know, I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast. I know uh, people will love to hear some of your insight and um, you know, just, I'm happy you're doing well and it's always great to, to see your, your face and, and hear your voice. So, um, you know, I miss you, man. I, I'm glad that uh, you're doing well. And, and thank you again for coming on. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you were able to do this. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, Bobby. You know, again, our friendship has is, is lasted since we've retired, which many of them don't. Um, and, I, and I really value that and appreciate that. So it's, it's always great to catch up. Um, and this is, this is a nice, tame version of what our normal conversations <laughs> are. So. Well, it's a PA, it's a PA but um, your story is great. And uh, you've been through a lot, man. And you, you went through a lot of the you know, the transitions, you know, we talk about stadiums to, uh, to, uh, expansion drafts, to, uh, re-entry drafts, to, you know, moving overseas, not being able to get a contract coming back injuries. So, uh, you've been through it all. And, that, and that's really what we, uh, we're all about at the PA letting people know what some of the guys journeys have been and, and what better way than to get a, a guy that's kind of done it all. Um, you know, and, and it's good. I know people we're concerned about you in DC and, and you're not as uh, I'd say as out there as a lot of people in terms of the, you know, on social media and you're not as easy to follow. So this will be a great chance for them to, to catch up and, and see what you're doing. And I know they'll be thrilled to hear that, uh, that you're, you're happy and, and, and working back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I appreciate you bringing me on Bobby. I do. All right. Chris Rolfe, everybody, one of the best, uh, one of the best to do it in American soccer. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite all-time teammates. Thank you for listening to Play By Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.